Hello guys and welcome to the Football Republic podcast episode 2. Today we have myself, Thomas, Ivan and Augustine from at Debatable Football Opinions. If you guys would like to say hello and introduce yourselves. Alright, hello, happy to be here. My name is Augustine from Debatable Football Opinions, also known as the Infoist. Some of you guys might know me, some of you may, may not. But yeah, very happy to be here. Let's get this thing going. Hello once again, it's Ivan here from the Football Republic as we all know it. Right, great stuff, guys. So on the agenda today, we've got three segments, the first of which is Lionel Messi leaving Barcelona, uh, the second of which is our all-time Premier League 11s, and the third one is talking a little bit about Bayern Munich and their success this season. So on to the first one, August. What are your thoughts on Lionel Messi handing in the transfer request and what do you think the motive is behind it? So uh, a few, well, it's only been a few days, like two days since this whole thing started, since uh, it got reported that, you know, he handed his request. I had a, I thought it was an unpopular opinion. I thought that he's, Messi's doing this whole thing about handing a transfer request, uh, wanting to leave the club just so Bartomeu can resign or he can get kicked out of office. Just so, you know, for the better of the club, for, for Barca to kind of um, get better from now. I thought it was an unpopular opinion. I thought it was kind of like a conspiracy theory type of thing. But I've seen a lot of people agree with that. The fact that he doesn't actually want to leave. He's just doing it as a way to say, like, well, it's either me or Bartomeu. So a lot of people seem to agree with me. So it's not that crazy, I think, anymore. Um, That's what I think originally. But I would like it as well if he left to another club. I don't know what club is more linked to having him other than, I don't know, Man City. I've seen some Chelsea, but it would be insane. I think it would be the biggest um, transfer in maybe football history. Yeah, I think Messi kind of playing his hand and almost, I, I agree with you in that it seems like he wants to get Barcelona to resign, but this seems to be more likely than it's ever happened because we saw in 2016, mm-hmm. there were Messi rumours, we saw 2018. There was a lot of stuff going around at that time, yeah. but this is the one time it's felt really real for me. And I genuinely think that Messi, right, he embodies Barcelona, just like Totti embodied Roma. But I think we are, I think this will happen. I think he will leave. And I've seen reports saying Bartomeu doesn't even want to resign. And Barcelona don't want to give the impression that Messi runs the club. So it'll be quite interesting to see how this all plays out. Uh, On to a little point you said, August, about the clubs. Ivan, what clubs do you think will be best suited for Messi? And then we can all have a bit of discussion about it because I'm sure we'll have different opinions. Well, as we all know it, uh, with the pandemic, there's really not that many clubs that are probably going to, you know, be in pursuit for Messi because financially not many clubs are uh, in stable, you know, stable enough to get him. But I think Manchester City are probably in the driving seat to get Messi just because they have Guardiola and they're probably the only club financially right now able to get him. Also, I think no club can straight up pay for him. You know what I mean? They're probably going to have to include some players, you know? Also, like, if he was to go to a club, the system fits perfectly for him. So I think City are the only club for me that makes sense. I would add to that that Mm -hmm. I don't think if Messi can't convince Barcelona to honour the clause in his contract, I don't think he'll leave this season. Because no club is going to be able to justify paying 100 million, 200 million transfer and then paying 100 million in wages. I just, I think that, especially for a 33-year-old, I know we saw it with Ronaldo, but like his fitness levels of that as a 24-year-old, Messi isn't quite the same. I don't think it's justifiable unless it's a free transfer and unless they honour that clause. Uh, 
August, do you think that a different club might suit Messi? The one that has a lead, basically, like you guys said, Man City. I've seen some reports for uh, PSG. But the thing that you mentioned about, like, you don't see them paying that much money for Messi, for, uh, for Messi just because they have to pay, I don't know, 150, 200 plus their, his insane wage. So, but I did see, I did see some re, um, reports on Man City offering two players and then a lot of money as well. So it's going to be insane. Whatever happens, it's going to be insane. And it's obviously going to be a lot of money. But, um, but yeah, I see Man City and perhaps PSG just because they got the money as well. I would just like you guys' take on this. So we know Messi embodies Barcelona, as you said. And Barcelona, he's done so much for the club. But would you argue that this is all just a start to get Bartomeu out? Because Messi knew about his clause last, you know, it wasn't even a month ago. He could have left for free last month, and he knew about this. But he's now choosing to exercise his, you know, well, it's not even in effect anymore. So I think this is more of a stunt to get the board to resign. But also, I think it might be more serious because I heard he talked to even like Pep. So what do you guys think? Uh, August like, made that point quite well when he said that um, he thinks it's a stunt. The only reason why I'd argue against what you're yeah. saying, Ivan, is it's exceptional circumstances. The clause was like designed because that was when the season was meant to end. So under COVID and stuff, right. this is the new end of the season. And I think that perhaps given that, Messi was just trying to see what happened in the Champions League this season. And obviously, as a result of the Bayern game, in any normal season, that game would have happened before the 30th of June, which would have then led to the clause being valid. But because it didn't, Messi would have had to have enacted the clause before he knew the outcome of this season, which is why I wouldn't quite agree with that. Uh, what do you think, August? Right, so that's when, this, like like you said, it, it would end on June 30th, because that's when the season would basically be over, but with this whole COVID, well, now... If this whole thing keeps going, then it's just going to be a matter of uh, lawsuits and then uh, Messi's lawyers just basically making a case for, well, it did say June 30th, but the season is over now because of COVID. So it's just going to be a matter of uh, lawsuits and it's going to get really ugly if this whole thing uh, keeps right, going. That's my point exactly. Definitely. Like, as we all know it, this is like a fairy tale. It's supposed to have a happy ending. Like, I don't want to see Messi mm -hmm. in court against Barca. You know what I mean? That's such a... A ugly ending as you said and I don't think anybody would like yeah. to see that also I like to say as much as people say um, Messi has done so much for the club the club can also argue they've done so much for his career you know they paid for his growth hormone and everything you know they made him you know all time great you know what I mean like it was yeah. it came from both ends they both helped each other be great but I think so like, the club I mean, has to respect mm -hmm. if he wants to move on to not get in his way in court and appreciate it was exceptional circumstances. And it says nothing for Messi's reputation that he wants to leave. It's natural. Every football player wants to leave. It will say a lot more for Barca's reputation if they try and stand in the way and don't respect it. Yeah, that's true. Because also it looks like club legends have gave him, you know, his goodbyes. They've respected his decisions. So now. Yeah, Puyol on Twitter and Suarez on Twitter as well. Yeah. Um, a final mm -hmm. question to you both. Obviously, City is the one that's being talked about, and I'm a City fan, so like I've got quite a biased opinion on this. As much as I'd like to buy a Messi shirt, I would not like to see our club mess up our wage structure because you look at United, who have a ridiculous wage structure. Dean Henderson's going to be on 150,000 a week. 
Sanchez was on yeah. 500,000 a week. The whole Sanchez transfer messed up the wage structure because it meant other players could go, I want that money, like Pogba, like other players. Mm-hmm. Man City have a really good wage structure. Our highest paid player is De Bruyne on 250k. And we barely have any players that are reaching over the 200k mark. If we sign a player like Messi, players like De Bruyne are going to be arguing, why aren't I on that much? I'm meant to be the star of this team. Sterling. And that will be when players start to go. Not only that, but we're going to have to trade in Jesus and Bernardo, I've heard for him, because they're the players they're after. Do you think that a transfer to Messi in the long run would be worth it, August? And then Ivan. That's definitely a, a, a huge point that people seem to not realize. Like everybody, obviously, everybody's excited about this whole move. Nobody's thinking about wages. And like you said, it, it, might, it might definitely uh, hurt the wage structure. Definitely the likes of, uh, seeing as Messi's 33, if he, if he signs a contract, it's going to be a minimum two, three years. Going to be paying, going to be paying, getting paid that much money. Yeah, obviously the likes of De Bruyne and every other player are going to want, you know, uh, about that same amount of money as well seeing as they're in the prime of the career so yeah it definitely will mess up the the weightage uh the weight structure it's going to come down to the owners and the board to see uh how they can handle such a huge transfer ivan what are your thoughts well i think sometimes being a footballer you have to be willing to make sacrifices like the Bruyne and you know your best player if he gets a Champions League medal out of this, I think they wouldn't mind as much because if you make a sacrifice to get the best player in the world on your team and you end up, you know, benefiting from it like that because as we all know it, they've struggled to win the Champions League and Messi might be that missing puzzle and he comes and they end up winning the Champions League, I think it will be a well-deserved sacrifice you know what i mean i think some players will be willing to make that mm. sacrifice do you think that messi you know, would be willing to take a wage sacrifice to go to city i think so because once again he's going to be reunited with the best coach he's ever done you know he's done wonders under pep and pep hasn't been able to win the champions league without messi so i think i think messi might be willing to take the pay cut but it depends on how much he's willing to take the pay cut yeah, I, I definitely think he would as well. I, I agree with that. He he basically, if this whole thing about him wanting to leave is true, he he wants to go. To, I, I think he would want to go to City because he because City City's got everything that Messi wants at Barcelona: a good project, a good manager that knows what he's doing. And well, Messi would have that at City. He he would reunite with Guardiola. Man City are obviously on a huge project to uh, um, have that UCL glory. And yeah, like. Um, like you said, uh, Messi would be the missing piece of the puzzle and could perhaps go all the way in UCL. So I, I think he would definitely take a wage cut. Again, it all uh, matters about how big of a wage cut. But I think, he, yeah, that's definitely something it's that could be on the table. Thought that, you know, Aguero, I think, is the godfather to Messi's child or the other way around. Like, they've been best friends since they were in the youth together. So that's another thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's been interesting to talk about. I think... I think we will see a move. I just don't know where or how, which is slightly worrying. I think he'll be welcome that city because there's so many. Because as we all know, he doesn't speak English, but Aguero doesn't speak English, and he's been able to be. How long has he been at City? Like uh, nine years now. Oh, right. So I think he'll find a home in City. He'll be welcome with Pep. Uh, he has many like Spanish-speaking players there. I think. 
that's the only club that makes sense at this point. Okay, so that was our chat on Messi. Uh, you both had some interesting thoughts, and I definitely think that's something we'll see a lot more of. Uh, now on to kind of the main theme of the episode, our all-time Premier League 11s. Now, we're all going to come up with our own separate 11s, unless by chance one of us has the same ones, but which I very much doubt. We haven't told each other them beforehand, so uh, if some of our reactions are shocking, then that will explain it. Uh, we're going to go around each time, tell the position, justify it a little bit, and then invite discussion. Uh, so, August, if you want to start, tell us your goalkeeper, then Ivan, then I'll tell you mine, and we'll move on from there. So, what is your goalkeeper in your all-time Premier League eleven? All right, uh, so this one was definitely tough. There's a, there's a, there's a handful of goalkeepers that, are, that definitely deserve a good shout. Um, but after going through so many, Peter Michael and the Sar, I had to go for Peter Cech. He's one of the goalkeepers that I grew up watching, and he was an absolute beast. I've made so many posts about him, trying to praise him, because uh, a lot of people seem to not give him credit, but he was such a great goalkeeper, and he's the person that I have. For my keeper, I would go with Peter Schmeichel, and I think yeah. that's a pretty popular opinion, you know. Uh, so I weighed up Schmeichel in Czech. Uh, Schmeichel obviously has the kind of prestige of being a keeper that really changed the game in the Premier League and he's one that is recognised as just an extraordinary keeper and one who's actually up for a shout of an all-time eleven. Um but I went with Petr Cech in the end, uh, along with August. Um I just felt that Czech he has the stats to back it up. He has the most clean sheets in Premier League history. He has the joint most golden gloves, uh, interesting fact, joint with Joe Hart, which a lot of people won't know. Um but yeah Czech was extraordinary. He just he really was the heart of that Chelsea team, I would argue, just a leader from the back. And I know you obviously had Terry as well, but check, check's my vote for my goalkeeper. Um, and for a lot of reasons, uh, I guess some of you might disagree, but uh, me and August are obviously in agreement here. So, onto the right-back position. August, who have you got on the right-hand side? So, for the right-back, I think I think this might be the one that we're all going to be agreeing with. I forgot, Garrett. Well, actually, both left-back and right-back, I I think yeah. they're hardly a debate. I can see some cases, um, but I've got Gary Neville on the right back. It pretty much speaks for itself. I, uh, the only person, the only player that I kind of, you could make a debate with uh, Sabaleta, perhaps. Or Ivanovic, I think, um, is two that are in contention. Yeah, Ivanovic as well. Yeah, but I've got Gary Neville on the right back. I didn't see him as much, but it was he was a great leader in the pitch, and that's why I have him on the I right back. Yeah, so the right back and left back position didn't have as many, you know, options as we do now because the system was different back then. But I went with Ivanovic. Wow. Well, mostly because I watched him a lot, and also we had kind of similar names, so I really tried to, you know, embody him when I played. So I watched a lot of them. So that's why I went. That that is a that's a brave shout. Um, I went with Neville as well because. The thing with Ivanovic was he was he was honestly hard as nails, and so was Zabaleta. They were both genuinely two of the hardest footballers I've ever seen. They could have played rugby. It was just ridiculous. They come up with cuts and bruises. Um, but in terms of a player that just embodied winning and just kind of really loved and fought for their club, and obviously Zabaleta and Ivanovic did in their own way, but Neville really wore that United badge with with pride, and he won it. He won a lot of Premier Leagues, and he did it playing well as well. I think. You could argue that maybe he wasn't as good as people say he was because he was surrounded by a great back four and back five, sorry. Oh, I was about to say, I think he was one of those fullbacks that was ahead of his time. You know, I think if he played 
in this today's age, I think he'll be a great fullback. Yeah, I, I think that's that's true as well. But I've I've put him in there because again, you're saying he's ahead of his time. That means he was just like he would kind of maybe change the game and change the way fullbacks are, and maybe allow players like Trent to come through. One thing I will say: in five years, if Trent has been putting up the numbers he has. I think, without a doubt, he'll be recognised as the greatest right-back in the Premier League if he carries on playing in that position. Um, but for now, my vote is with Neville. Uh, on the left-hand side, I'm guessing you're going to say a certain player beginning with C, August? <laughs> yes, Cole. I got Ashley Cole at left-back. I do see some argument uh, for yeah. Petri Zebra, so pretty debatable as well. But, yeah, I've got Ashley Cole. Uh just a great machine going front and going uh, defending as well, and you don't see that a lot. But yeah, Ashley Cole and Gary Neville are pretty much the two generational fullbacks, along with uh, Danny Alves and Marcelo from our past generation. You don't see a lot of generational fullbacks um, in each era, but these four that I've mentioned are Lom so great. Well. And Philip uh, Lom was a generational as well. Yeah, Philip Lom. There's a couple others out there. Yes. Um, yeah, these uh, those four or five couple others are great and yeah i got ashley cole in my left hand side yes ivan yeah i have to go with ashley cole just because you know he was very he was a one of those fullbacks again who was ahead of his time and we can't you know overlook what he did with arsenal's um invincible's squad and also we can't forget he was a crucial part of you know the Chelsea squad that went on to, you know, don I wouldn't say dominate, but they did pretty well in the Premier League with Jose Mourinho. Yeah, they, they, they did well. Um, he was part of two kind of title win teams as well, which is something you can't say. I, I went with Cole as well. And the reason I went with Cole is as much as Ever, I think, was a really underrated player, I think Ashley Cole is one of the players in this team that you can say was the best player in the world in their position at the time. Like, I don't think when Ashley Cole was at his prime in five, mm-hmm. six, I don't think there's another player in the world that was better than him in his position. And there's not many players you can say that about, obviously. So I think Cole is one that I thought from the start we would um, all agree with. Now, here is where we might yeah. have the variation because there's a lot of shouts in here. And um, we all uh, support different teams, I think. So I'm going to ask for your um, centre-back pairing, August. So give me the two centre-backs that you have put next to them and why. So yeah, like you said, there were so many, uh, more than full-backs and the goalkeeper. Uh, I chose for my duel, I chose John Terry and Vidic. Um, I think Vidic, out of these two, Vidic, uh, when we're speaking about prime, I, John Terry was more of a overall, maybe greater player throughout his whole career, but Vidic, was, Vidic prime was incredible. And uh, even throughout his whole, his whole career, he accomplished so much. Um, and Man United, he was he was incredible. And uh, you can see both of these players are great based on their their trophy cabinet. But yeah, they you saw them play; they were incredible. They're, they were great players. I had to I had so many options to go, but I yeah, John Terry and Vidic are my centre back duo. That's an interesting choice, but one that I think is very justified. Ivan, who are the two you've gone with? Mine looks a little bit different, but not that big. But so me, I went with John Terry as well. But his partner would be Virgil van Dijk. This might sound a bit biased because I'm a Liverpool fan, of course. But as you said, when we talk about prime years, I think 
no defender has ever had a... I mean, Van Dyke is still in his prime as well, but remember Van Dyke's last year, I don't think any defender has ever came, other than Cannavaro, who won the Baron Dahl, but I don't think when we talk about prime, there's a center half who's ever had a year like Van Dyke did. So yeah, mm-hmm. I went with him. I know it's a bit debatable because he's still playing, and he hasn't been at the top for that long, but I think he's well-deserved for my... I would I would make the point that I know a lot of you are going to disagree with Ivan and say, oh, Liverpool mm. fan, Liverpool fan. This team is the greatest players to play in the Premier League. And you can talk about longevity and stuff, and that will obviously play a part. But Van Dyke completely transformed that Liverpool team. And it was immediate from his arrival when he arrived in January, just how good he was. Um, so I think that is a justified opinion. Uh, my own bias is going to come into play here because I'm playing Terry and company together. Um, I was caught. Obviously, for me, John Terry, he's won the most Premier Leagues as a captain. He was an amazing centre-back. He had no pace, but he made up for it with just complete defensive awareness. And if you can make Gary Cahill look good for five years, then I think you've got to have a place in this team. Um, but the reason I went with company was because from the perspective of a City fan and obviously that's going to have weight and I know a lot of you will say well company said like Van Dyke was the greatest defender in Premier League history so it must be true. I think that no other centre-back in the Premier League has given as many iconic moments as Vincent Company has and no other centre-back apart from maybe Terry has been at the heart of a project that's taken 10 years and who's been with the club since the very beginning of that project. Kind of Terry's justified in his own right, and I kind of feel like I have to justify company a bit. But you have the header against United to win the league in 2012. You have the goal on the final day against West Ham to kind of secure the victory. Um, you have the goal against United in 2018. Uh, we lost 3-2 in the end, but he always pops up in the big moments. But the biggest one for me is that goal against Leicester. Without that goal against Leicester, we would never have won the league. And I think it speaks volumes about company that he's able to come up with those big moments. And I think that, although obviously I'm biased because those moments obviously affected me more than you two, Company won the joint second most Premier Leagues as a captain. And I think as a centre-back, it's maybe justified to put him in. I don't know. Does anyone disagree with that? No, I think it's hard to, you know, argue against, you know, your choice in Company because, as you said, he's one of those big-time players, you know, and he's a centre-half. And I think sometimes you have, to look at what he did for City, he was one of those first players, you know, they bought, and he kind of overs, you know, overlooked, not overlooked, sorry, but he was one of the first players they brought in for their project, mm-hmm. and, and it's hard to argue against him because I think he was so crucial to their, you know, rebranding and like the res, uh, resurgence of City. I would say, you know what I mean? Yeah, he is the face of the new rebuild City. Yeah, both unpopular choices that you guys made, like uh, you made company and then uh, also uh, Van Dyke, both were pretty much, uh, maybe they're unpopular, but they you guys both brought up good points as to why. If you're going by prime, then Van Dyke obviously deserves a shout. And yeah, and then company as well. Like he's like you said, he's the face of the beginning of the whole project for Man City. He's the one that started it all. So yeah, I would definitely, I made, uh, fun fact, I made a backup, best 11 for the Premier League and uh, just for the players that I didn't choose and I do have company in there. Wow. 
So yeah, yeah they're both good uh, shots. An interesting point uh, to any upset Man United fans. Uh, Rio Ferdinand was an excellent centre back because <laughs> none of us have chosen him, and he was a very very good centre back. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of hard, you know. Considering there's a City Liverpool fan, I yeah. don't think it was gonna be a United right. center half. But yeah, um, so this is where I might differ a bit because we've probably gone for different formations. I've gone for a four-three-three. Uh, what formation? I did as well. August. I have a four-three-three. Okay, as well. that's good then. Um, uh, do you want to start with your holding midfielder, August? If you have one. Sure, I have a. Oh, this is gonna be. Well, for my midfield, none of them are unpopular. I went for the most old-fashioned midfield, and you'll see what I mean soon. But I have Scholes. I, you can also put Roy Keane or even Makelele if you're going by maybe not just by Premier League. I know he was great at, at Madrid, but uh, he was great at Chelsea too, but I think he's probably mostly game in Madrid. And uh, depends on how you're dealing with this whole thing, your own perspective. But yeah, for I had to go for Scholes as my CDM. Ivan? Yeah, so I think our midfield three is gonna look very similar. But for yeah, for my holding midfielder, I went with Steven Gerrard, and I think it's pretty obvious choice because he was probably the mm-hmm. most complete midfielder in the prem, other than Lam. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. For my holding midfielder, and this is gonna be maybe a little bit debatable. But I went with N'Golo Kante. Um, we were talking about primes and we were talking about kind of players that embody their position. And maybe he's been played out of position the last two seasons and maybe he's been damaged a bit by injury. But for me, N'Golo Kante has been the best central defensive midfielder in Premier League history in his own right. I mean, when he was in that Leicester team, he was playing four or five positions a game. He was just everywhere. And he managed to win the league back-to-back mm-hmm. with Leicester, come straight into a Chelsea team, then win the league again, which is something like Cole did, I think, but not many other players have done. Um, and it might be, you know, a very unpopular opinion, but Kante really was the heart of both of those title-winning teams. And he also won a World Cup and was the heart of that defensive France team because you yeah. had two quite attacking midfielders and then obviously that amazing front three. Um, but Kante ran all those teams and not many players in history have managed to win that much in that space of time. Um, the argument for kind of the other two you've got is the Champions League success, which Kante doesn't have yet. But just for me, watching Kante, is just he, he's an unbelievable player and I had to go with him. Um, yeah, I think you do make a great point. As you said, him and Cole are probably one of the only players in, that we've mentioned so far that were probably by far the best players in their position at one point, you know. Like, with no debatable... There's no really anybody that was close to them when they were in their prime. So I think it's a safe, you know, safe choice. Yeah. Um, August, if you want to give me your second midfield choice. Uh, sure, I have uh, Lampard. And, uh, again, a guy that needs no introduction. Um, it's always... It's always tough ranking these uh, Gerard Lampard shoals. Um, there's always different opinions everywhere, but I've got Lampard as my second center mid. Yeah, good, a good choice. Ivan? Yeah, I'll go the same. Like I said, it's going to look pretty, pretty similar. So yeah, Frank Lampard. And I think there's no arguing against that one. I've, um, I'm going to complete the trio and go with Lampard as well. Just an unbelievable player. 
a kind of talisman for football. And, uh, yeah, robbed of one of the great World Cup goals. Uh, just going to slip that in there. Um, and you're uh, your third central midfielder, August. Um, before I say that, I think, is Lampard the first player that we all agreed on? Uh, we all agreed on Cole. Cole. Oh, right, right. Okay, cool. Um, okay, well, my final midfielder would be Gerard. I said I was going to go as old-fashioned as is unpopular. So, yeah, my midfield would be Gerard along with Lampard and Schultz. I also think we agreed on John Terry, I believe, right? Yeah, we agreed with Terry as well. That was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, so... But yeah, I've got Gerard. Mm-hmm. I'll go with this is going to be very debatable, but once again, this will be because of their prime year, so I'll go with Kevin De Bruyne. And okay. I just noticed that not picked uh, a United player. Oh, actually, I picked Chris Michael, but I think it's hard to argue against the Bruyne because he's he's come so close to breaking that assist record. Like I think it's been two years now that he's been so close. He tied it this year. I think he will get it probably very soon. And I would say he's probably been one of the best players in the world this year. And nobody can claim that title since, you know, Messi and Ronaldo have dominated, you know, the football scene for so long. But I think he's been better than both of them, which is such a great accomplishment. Not many can say they were better than Ronaldo and Messi at one point in their life, you know what I mean? Yeah, and um, you just robbed me of my massive De Bruyne speech, Ivan, because I went for Kevin De Bruyne as well. Um, I think... Kevin De Bruyne has the stats to back up me picking him because he's the only Premier League player in history to record 15-plus assists in three different seasons uh, and to win uh, three Playmaker Awards, I do believe. And I'm sure both of you have seen a lot of De Bruyne. But I know you said this about Gerard Ivan, but I think Kevin De Bruyne is the most complete midfielder in Premier League history because there is quite literally nothing that I don't think he can do. Um, he's scored, I think... Something like seven goals outside the box with his weak foot for Man City, which is just ridiculous. And he's he's yes. a he's a really really good player, and he's a player that I think if you matched his prime with Gerard and Lampard, you could argue his prime kind of performance was on a par, if not better than them. Um, I we've missed out we've missed out a few players there, but it's it's difficult to pick a midfield three when I think midfield is the most stacked position uh, in the Premier League. Like Vieira, um, yeah. like I said, Makalele. Uh, I didn't pick skulls and da- David yeah. Silver as well, who's recently retired, who was kind of another face of the City team. Uh, but I think we've gone for a good mm-hmm. balance midfield there, all three of us, because we've got we've got a good midfield balance. And uh, August, you went for the English trio. Uh, still pains me that we never won a World Cup or Euros with that team, but there we have it. Right, so. In a four-three-three, August, will you give me your left winger? So I think, like you said, uh, the midfield was the most stacked, and obviously the one with the word was going to vary the most since we have so many options. But moving on to the forward, I there's a, there's not that many, and this one I don't think it's debatable at all. And I I think you guys are going to pick him as well. I'm going for Thierry Henry, incredible player, both at Arsenal at Barcelona an idol for so many so many viewers he was such a magnificent player what he achieved at arsenal we still haven't seen yet in, in modern era going invincible and then just making history 
such a great left winger. And uh, yeah, that's that's who I went for in my team. Ivan? Um, for my left winger position, I decided to go with a young Cristiano Ronaldo. Wow. And I don't know, it's just hard to argue with a player that, that won a Baron doll, you know, when he was still so young. And he was one of those players that you look back and realize how good he was, but at the time people didn't appreciate it as much because how much he was dribbling, you know. I think he he's realized himself he had to change his game if he wanted to be a great player and thankfully he did, but I think he still deserves a spot in, you know, Premier League all time eleven. Yeah. Um I went with Henri as well on the left hand side. And um Omri was, in my opinion, one of the best, if not the best, foreign players or players to ever grace the league. And probably the most flared kind of player when you look at the way he dribbled through the fences mm-hmm. and dribbled forward. Just a player that would have been able to play for any team in the world. Um, Ivan, your point about Ronaldo. Uh, I'm going to give my right winger now because it kind of fits in. I went with Ronaldo on the right-hand side and... Um, that's because he, I think in his early days, he played with on the right-hand side um, for United. So that's why I kind of went with him on the right. Yeah. And why I'm just saying it now, just clear up why I didn't have Ronaldo on the left. Um, August, who did you go for on the right-hand side? See, I have to agree with you because I did put Cristiano on the right. I had a bit of a, I was debating with myself if, if whether or not I should put Giggs in there. And it was such a uh, hard shout. But I did put Cristiano. I kind of went in between, like, do I go for who was the better player overall throughout his time in the Premier League, or do I go for who was better at a, at a higher level? And I just had to go for Cristiano there at the, yeah, I also put him in the right wing just because of his early years at United. He was such a great player in that front three that they had back then. And even though, even though it was his uh, early stages of his career, he still showed what a player he was. But yeah, that's who I went for. The right winger position for me was a tough one um i was torn between you know muhammad salah and wayne rooney even though wayne rooney didn't naturally play the right wing position but he was such a versatile player that at the end i decided to go with wayne rooney because i realized i didn't have many united players but i went with wayne rooney because how versatile he was and he was also a very complete player because I think at one point he also played in the midfield and it's just hard you know not to include him even though that's not his natural position I just had to put him there yeah another player that you could have had in there was Beckham I think was the other shout for a right winger um mm-hmm. quite a complete player maybe didn't have the best stats and that's why I didn't choose gigs I think he averaged six assists and three goals or something a season it wasn't much but yeah, the right wing wasn't really blessed that much in the Premier League. You had uh, Freddie Lindbergh as well. He was a good player. Um, but yeah, as I said, I put Ronaldo on the right. I was just clarifying that after Ivan said he put it on the left because uh, I didn't want anyone to think I'd missed him out. So to complete your 11 August, who is the main man up top? All right. So I said I wasn't going to add Alan Shearer because, well, didn't really see him play and I don't think highlights do him justice. But... Um, See, there's a lot of good shouts in here. And uh, like Ivan said, Rooney was such a great player. He was so versatile that he could play even center mid. Um, but this is the thing. I went for Aguero. I do think uh, Rooney's a better player, but I think Aguero is the better striker. So I went for Aguero most 
uh, goals. I think he's got he's the foreign player with the most goals in the Premier League history. Yeah. He passed Thierry Henry, I think, this season. Um, incredible player. Uh, maybe a little bit of bias for me since I'm Argentinian, but I Aguero is such a, a killer in in the, in the box, and he's a striker that I would want to have in my best eleven. Well, this was you know, this took a lot of thinking, and you know, at the end of the day, it was going for me was going to be between Thierry Ari and um, Aguero, and I decided to go with. Uh, Thierry Ari at the top, and my take on this is very simple. I think what um, what people say about um, Aguero is very true. He's probably the most dangerous player in the box when it comes to Premier League history. But uh, many can argue he's never. I think he's won one Golden Boot, or he's never won a Golden Boot. He's won and, one in uh, 2015. Yeah, so one, and it's hard to argue against Thierry who won three. So I just went with him just because of that. Um, so I went with Omri on the left so I could fit in Aguero up top. Uh, I'm just going to read out some stats so I can justify it. He has the most hat-tricks in Premier League history. He has the most man the match awards in Premier League history. He's the highest scoring foreign player in Premier League history. Uh, he's three goals away from being the highest scoring player for a single club. And um, uh, Ronaldo in 78 games against the Big Six got 41 goals and assists. Uh, Henri in 83 games got 54 goals and assists. And Aguero in 81 games got 67 goals and assists. The most against the Big Six in um, Premier League history. Uh, it's just... Wow. As, well read a book about that. Ah, I love the guy. Um, I'm sure as an Argentinian, <laughs> August does as well. Um, just Aguero, he's such a deadly striker. Um, just uh, as a pure striker, he I think he's up there with with some all time greats. Maybe the tier below some of the great strikers. Um, but I just love him to win a Champions League because he's just he scores so many goals. I mean, he got twenty plus goals in I think seven consecutive seasons. Uh, he beat Omri's record for that as well, just a little pointer. Um, but he's just, he's a remarkable player. And is the all-time scorer, but if you gave Aguero another 100 games, I reckon he'd pass him. And hopefully he gets past Rooney. Um, so yeah, that is my all-time 11. What manager have you gone with, August? I think we've all gone with the same one. Yeah, I was going to say that too. It was it was between Ferguson or Paisley, and I just had to go for Ferguson. He edges this for me. As much as I dislike United, it's hard to argue. You know, I think there's only been one dynasty, one dynasty in the Premier League history, and that's uh, Alex Ferguson. So yeah, that's my pick. Uh, I went with an iconic Premier League manager as well, and that is Sam Allardyce. No, I'm just joking. I went with um, <laughs> I went with Ferguson as well. Just a great manager and a great um. A great ambassador for football in general. So, August, if you want to read me out your 11 from goalkeeper to striker. All right, so I got um, Peter Cech at goalkeeper, Ashley Cole and Gary Neville as my fullbacks, John Terry with Vidic as my centre-back duo, Lampard, Gerard Schools, the English trio, Henry and Cristiano on the wings, and Aguero up top. Ivan? Here we go. Um... I have Peter Schmeichel um, in the back, 
Uh, left back, Ashley Cole. My center back pairing is um, John Terry and Virgil van Dijk. And a right back position, I have Ivanovic. And my midfield three is uh, Gerard Lampard and Kevin De Bruyne. And up top, I have um, Ronaldo, a left wing. And striker, I have Thierry Henry. And right wing, I have Wayne Rooney. I've got Czech, Neville, Company, Terry, Cole, midfield three of Kante, De Bruyne and Lampard, and a front three of Henri, Aguero and Cristiano Ronaldo. And we all have the same manager of Ferguson. Uh, thank you guys, that was a blast. And just to end off the podcast, August, what were your thoughts on Bayern Munich completing the treble this season with the Champions League title? I think it's needless to say that they have such a great team, complete anything. They have they have the best players in each position. They hardly lack a great player at any position to look out. And they're one of the teams that barely will have to make any signings this summer because they, they're stoked, they're stacked, and uh, they, I mean, maybe this whole thing has just started. It's a whole new generation of players who might – go all out again next season. I don't I don't know who they've been linked to signing, but they're great everywhere. And they not only are they great individually, like everywhere you look, you have Lewandowski with Mueller behind them. You have Kimmich. You have the fullbacks. Alfonso Davis is obviously great. Uh, you have stack players everywhere, but it's just not only do you have great players individually, they work as a team. They work well. They play beautiful football. And they, they showed Barca such a great lesson to this whole boring tiki-taka thing pass it to Messi, whatever, it's not going to work anymore. They play their own style of football, and I think it might be a new era where we see Bayern conquer the UCL, the, the football, for about a few more years. Yeah, I mean, Bayern are really stacked. I think Kimmich is one of the best players in world football at the minute. So is Müller, so is Lewandowski, and they're just adding Sane to that roster, which is a really disgusting mm-hmm. guy. Ivan, any closing thoughts on Bayern and how they've done this season? Well, well, I think Bayern has played everyone. I think they really, like, how does the team manage to build that type of squad with barely spending? Like, it's just unfair, if you ask me. Like, and then don't forget, they just added Leroy Sané. So, as August said, they're probably going to go again next year. But I think it's ridiculous that a team like Bayern has went out and built you know, such a young squad with, you know, with little to, you know, no money spent. Yet we have teams, you know, like United City, they're out here struggling to win the Champions League and they're spending, you know, so much more money. And don't forget PSG. So I think they're a very smart club and they don't get enough credit for it. And also let's not forget, Hens Flick came out of nowhere pretty much. No no club had yeah. eyes on him, you know, and he's turned them into one of the greatest squads I've ever seen or assembled. Yeah, he he's a yeah. he's a great manager, and he's won something like twenty three games in the bounce, I think, which is just extraordinary. I would like to add one more thing. They just ran Messi out of Barcelona. Nobody. Has yeah, ever that's, that's a very good point. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the podcast, August. Uh, you've done a very good job and uh, we'll love to have you back. And um, thank you all for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. 
Uh, and yeah, we'll see you next week for another episode. Um, it's bye from me, Thomas, August. Yeah, it was a it was a great place to be here. I was very happy to be here. I enjoyed this whole talk, and I would love to be back, like you said. Um, can't wait to hear this episode. And uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. And Ivan. All right, thank you, everyone. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. All right, bye bye.